First of all, I think Jessica wants to have a meeting after the Bible study. Right? Right. You don't know whether you're going to have a meeting or not? Okay. So it'll be sometime we'll have a meeting anyway, over planning for the coming feast. So whenever whenever we get everybody together, we'll, we'll have a planning meeting. Okay. <laughs> so I thought that was um, brought up to me. I thought, that, well, that's good because it goes along with what I'm going to say tonight. <laughs> Because the feast is from today is only 43 days, and trumpet is just one month, um, 30, 31 days. Uh, I didn't count them up. And then we have a, a joyous day. We have a, a a fast, and then on the 10th we have another fast. <laughs> Why do we call these things fast? Because they seem to go pretty slow to me. But it's good because we do get to focus maybe on what we should be doing. Okay, so we're coming up on the feast. Uh, let's, let's work this year, this feast, to make it a great one. I can remember many feasts. This will be, I believe, my Fiftieth feast, then for fifty-one, only fifty, anyway. So we got to work on making the feast a great feast. Sometimes they're great, sometimes they're almost great, sometimes there are problems come up. So we don't want to have problems. It gets down to one big thing all in making the right choices. I was watching a, a, a TV series and they was pointed out that some people make the wrong choices. I've got a grandson that made the wrong choices. A couple of grandsons made the wrong choices. So they thought they made good ones. But that's the big benefit when we're looking at the feast and you come into thinking that we're going to make either good choices or bad choices. And it'd be best if we would focus on making the right choices. I have two points I want to cover tonight in making, I'm talking about making the feast more enjoyable. Because there's, there's only two points that I wanted to cover to make, make the feast very enjoyable. The first point is the physical aspect of the feast. Because to us, that's where we're going to be there. Most of the time, we're going to be there whether we make the right choices and make the feast positive or we can make it negative. Depends on how you, you look at the feast and how you deal with each day as it comes along. We need to be... At this time at the feast, we need to focus, I think, on being thankful. That would be the first thing. Physically, side, the physical side, the physical aspect of the feast is just to be thankful that we're going to be able to be there. So many times we just, we just don't 
look at it as a, a thankful thing because sometimes situations come up. I remember one year that I went to the feast. He spent the feast repairing his car. Now, whether that was the right choice or whether he made a choice earlier and should have rented a car <laughs> and then his feast could have been enjoyable. But he spent the feast. Uh, he went to services. This was a year when we had a sermonette and a sermon. We went to eat. We came back had a sermon and a, a sermonette and a sermon. Two sermons a day. And he spent half the night working on his car because he, he just didn't prepare ahead of time. So we need to focus. Start off by focusing and saying, I'm going to be really thankful that I can be there. I'm going to try to do everything in the right way. We need to put out, plan to put out, okay? Plan to put out anything that might come along as a negative aspect. Oh, I found this problem where this person offended me, or that person got more to do than I get to do. Uh, you know, so sometimes we look at the negative aspect and it just doesn't make the feast a happy feast. It really doesn't. Uh, I went to the feast in uh, Nassau, Bahamas. started out really good until I found out that any children, you know, we're talking about young teenagers, if the bartender could see them, they gave them drinks. And so a lot of the teens got in the wrong aspect and got drunk. And uh, that, as a parent, that will really take you down a spell or two because now you can understand, I don't even ever come back here again. And there were other aspects that came along. So to make the right choices, choose where you're going to go. Uh, I think we all choose right here. So <laughs> it's been chosen for us. But that's okay because God is the choosing. So we want to make everything a positive. Uh, look to the, like the song says, look to the brighter side of life. Always look to the brighter side. That way you're always doing or dealing with the right side of the feast. The Feast of Tabernacles is actually celebrating the 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ. So that's what's good to think about. There's going to be a time where Satan's not going to be around. And if we do our part making the right choices as we go along with the rest of the life that we have, we'll be able to be there as those that help others. Remember it says that people will come to you and they will do something wrong and you'll say, uh-uh, that's not the right direction. Let me show you the right way. And you'll be able to not be angry and not come down on them with two feet, but you'll be able to lovingly show them how to make the right choices. Let's start off with by going to Deuteronomy 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. Because it, as we come to the feast, this is a, a, a place where I found to start. Deuteronomy chapter 12. 
And I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. I'm going to start in verse 4. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 4 through 7. It says, Do not worship the Lord your God in the way the pagan people worship their God. So God starts it out by saying, You need to make the right choice. You have to look what the way they keep Christmas and New Year's and Easter and all the other holidays that they have. A lot of times you notice that Christmas and New Year's, they get drunk. Um, they give out gifts and then they get upset because I gave a $10 gift and somebody only gave me a dollar gift because we take and look at it in the wrong perspective. But that's not what God wants. He wants us to come there positively, being very thankful that he opened our eyes to keeping the feast and not to do it as pagans do. Rather, you must seek the Lord your God at the place he himself will choose from among the the tribes of them for his name to be honored. There you will bring to the Lord your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your special gifts, your offerings to fulfill a vow, the free will offerings and the offerings of the firstborn animals, your flocks and your herds. There uh, you will, you and your families. Notice that God sets examples of the way he wants it to happen. So you and your families, all of your family, uh, uh, you and your families uh, will feast in the presence of the eternal your God and you will rejoice in all that uh, you have accomplished because the Lord your God has blessed you. So he wants you to be there as a family to honor him, to love him. And I look back on a lot of those feasts of Big Sandy that they were enjoyable because my whole family was there. Now, I look at it a little different, but I still can rejoice because I look at it, you are my family. Go down to verse 7 again. And this time... I'm going to read from the easy-to-read version. You and your families will eat together at the place that the Lord your God will be there with you. You will enjoy sharing the things that you worked for there. You will remember that the Lord your God blessed you and gave you these good things. So, the physical side of the feast is here explaining a little better that we're there to eat and to enjoy everything that God has given us the past year. So He wants us to be there and we want He wants us to be with Him and fellowship with Him and with each other. So that's part of that aspect of enjoying the feast. Go down to verse twelve. Verse twelve. Deuteronomy twelve twelve. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you, your sons, your daughters, your manservants, your maidservants, and the Levites as within your gates. 
for as much as he, the Levite, has no part nor inheritance with you. I've seen it in times past that in many of the feasts that we don't have Levites, but we do have teachers. And I've seen many of the feasts where the ministry was not taken into account when they went out. They had they went out to eat. They they did things together, but they seemed to forget the parts of those that are serving and helping them. And sometimes it was the deacons that got left out because, you know, it's our family. And so we kept our family together, but we forgot taking all of our family. I was, uh, when I read that, I asked myself earlier today, I said, you know, it says everybody but uh, as, a, as a man, didn't say anything about bringing our wives along. <laughs> I, I always enjoy taking my wife along because she cooks pretty good. So think about it, guys, when you have to do the cooking. Uh, take your wife along with you. Verse 12, 12, 12, 12. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you, your sons and daughters, and your manservants. And, and don't forget those that are serving. Because sometimes, we sometimes forget that there are others that are really involved in getting the whole operation going. Uh, when I was there in St. Pete, most of the time, the deacons, the elders, those that were uh, doing the sound, those that were cleaning up, or they were the last to leave, first to get there and the last to leave, and everybody else split. And they were listening there to, now what I do. So... You got to remember that you got to. It's a family operation, at everybody in the family. And if we look at it as a family and we try to keep together as a family, it goes a lot better. Because this is a physical aspect. Because sometimes there are those that get left behind, whether they be the ministry or the el- the uh, widow or the fatherless or the widower. Sometimes we just don't always see they need to be remembered and help them so that they too can enjoy the feast. Go down to number verse 17 now. Verse 17. You may not eat within your gate the tithe or your second tithe. So here God makes a qualification. You can't eat that in your gate. So for us, it's pretty difficult because our gates are we're right here. But for many people in the feast, many of the congregations around the world, um, they stay at home. But here it says they can't eat the tithes. We're talking about the second time. Because that's what we use to keep the feast and make it a physically enjoyable time. Now, I know in times past, they were pushing and pushing. The wrong attitude was being pushed on people to save up your second tithe so the last day you can give a great big offering. Well, that's not what God is expecting. He wants you to really have a great, glorious, magnificent time because it is looking toward what the world tomorrow is going to be like. 
And if you're trying to skimp and scrape so that you can give a big offering, God doesn't need your offering. He tells you that in the Scriptures. He doesn't need your cows or your gold or your silver because it's all His anyway. So, here it says, you can't eat your tithe in your gates. The tithe of your corn, your wine, your oil, or the firstlings of your herd, uh, the first uh, of your flock, or any of your vows which you vowed, nor your free will offerings or your hate offerings of your in your hand. So he's telling us this is to eat food, to enjoy food, to enjoy fellowship, to enjoy being together at the feast. Verse eighteen. But you must you uh, must eat them before the Lord your God in the place which the Lord uh, your God has chosen. So we see here that God has chosen this organization, He chose this building, this location. So even if our houses are here, you know we're supposed to stay in temporary dwellings. And so we're supposed to enjoy because. It's reflecting that we are only temporary here. We're only temporary people. And this place is only temporary. Look at society, what's happening around us today, as it's collapsing around us. Me living from the time before the Second World War through now. And I've seen a lot of changes. So we're to come here. We're to be here on this property because God has chosen it for us to be here. You and your son and your daughter and your manservant, and I'll even say your wives and your maidservants and the Levites, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God in all that uh, you put your hand unto. So whatever we do here at the feast, this is why I said we have to make the right choices. Whatever we do, we are to uh, rejoice. We're to make it happy times, gracious times. Take heed to yourself that you forsake not the Levite uh, as long as you live upon the earth. So he emphasizes so many times those that he has put in charge, those that are serving, whether they're a, an elder, a pastor, the evangelist, which we don't have any here, or the deacon. Because we are to help and enjoy even with them. 19. Take heed to yourself that you forget not the Levite as long as you live. So again, he's emphasizing the fact we've got to make the feast enjoyable for everybody. As a family, we've got to work hard. And when the Lord your God shall enlarge your borders as, as promised, um, and you shall say, I will eat flesh because your soul longs for the flesh. Well, we all like to eat beef and chicken. Maybe we like to eat beef more than chicken. So this time of the year, God expects us to get the best we can. He wants us to enjoy, not throughout the year, maybe we have to and stay, uh, scrimp and try to save what we can and we sometimes get uh, beef 
know, good steaks, but most of the time we're eating beans and cornbread, <laughs> maybe whatever. Because uh, I will eat flesh because my, <coughs> my soul longs to eat the flesh. You may eat flesh whatsoever your soul, it says lust after, but it's whatever your soul desires. We know God doesn't want you to lust. He wants you to desire it. He wants you to achieve it, but not lust after it. And it's the place which the Lord your God has chosen be put, uh, to put his name there, be too far from you. Then you shall kill your herd and your flock which the Lord has given you as I have commanded you, and you shall eat in your gates whatsoever uh, your soul desires. So, again, he's telling us, be careful. We've got to prepare to have a great and joyous time. Chapter 14, Deuteronomy chapter 14, Deuteronomy 14, verse 23 through 27. Deuteronomy 14, verse 23. And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses to place his name there. The tithe of your corn, your wine, your oil, and the firstling of your herd, and, the, and your flock, and, and that you may learn to fear the Lord your God. So he wants you to Enjoy these things, enjoy a good food, enjoy good meals that you learn because you're going to spend what's your extra money you have. You're going to look on and beyond and have the better parts of the food that you eat that we can learn to fear God because He gave us these things. 24. And if the way be too long for you, notice what God makes a way for us. Um, if the way be too long for you, so that you are not able to carry it, or the place be too far from you, that the Lord your God shall choose to set his name there, when the Lord your God has blessed you, then you shall turn it into money. I look back in 19... Um, and um, 76 and 77. I was a beekeeper. My tithe, my second tithe, was three barrels of honey. Now, let me tell you, you cannot eat three barrels of honey, and there's no way to carry it because it's 600 pounds per barrel. <laughs> How are you going to carry that? So God says, I'll make a way. I'll make a way for you to get by that. So if you've got six barrels of honey, he said, you shall turn it into money. Oh, okay. So for most of us, we're not farmers except for Kirby and, and uh, Paul and Joshua and Evan and Christy and Ivan. Now, they're the farmers. The rest of us, we just earn money. <laughs> but if you can't, if you uh, were making, say, 100 pounds of potatoes, you're not going to eat that 100 pounds of potatoes. You can turn that into money so that you can enjoy the feast. So here he's saying, if you 
the way too much and the product is too much, turn it into money so that you can then enjoy the feast. And you shall bestow the money. Well, he did in verse 26. He tells you what you can do with it. You can bestow the money for whatsoever your soul desires after oxen. Now notice he's coming out with food. Oxen and sheep and wine and all kinds of alcohol and for whatsoever your soul desires. Um, okay, that's a better saying than lust for, but you got to be careful on that too because you might desire things that you shouldn't be doing. So whatever your soul desires, and you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your whole household, your whole your family. And don't forget the Levites. Don't forget those that are serving and helping you. So, we're looking, this is telling us to look forward to the thousand year reign of Christ and how great it's going to be. It's going to be really good. Levitic, I mean, Isaiah rather, 12. Turn to Isaiah 12, and I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. Isaiah 12, verses 1 through 6. Isaiah 12, verses 1 through 6. Isaiah is saying, In that day you shall sing. So, here's another thing, another physical thing that we should be ready to do at the feast. So we can physically eat and enjoy it and share it with each other. But now we're told we can also sing. Praise the Lord. He was angry uh, with me, but now he comforts me. See, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. So, we're here. Physically, we can trust that God's going to help us if we make the right choices again. The Lord God is my strength, my song. He has become my salvation. So physically, we can look at being saved, being able to be here. Verse 3, with joy you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. In that wonderful day, you will sing. So when we're at the feast this year, we should be joyously singing. Look to be able to sing to God and sing to each other and to share what we have. Verse 4. In that wonderful day, you will sing. Thank the Lord. Praise His name. Tell of His wonder. Tell the world what He has done. Oh, how mighty He is. Sing to the Eternal. For he has done wonderful things. Make known his praise around the world. Let, it, let all the people of Jerusalem shout and his praise and uh, with joy. For great is the Holy One of Israel who lives among us. So, we can eat. We can drink. We can enjoy good food. But we also 
me to sing and rejoice and just be glad that God's given us this opportunity to be here. So the feasting is a time of rejoicing, of being bringing up, being up, being uplifted, looking to what's going to happen in the world tomorrow. Point two: It's spiritual. The feast is yes a physical opportunity, but it's also a spiritual opportunity. Because we should be going to the feast to learn how to do things God's way. The feast, the spiritual aspect of the feast, point A of, of uh, part of the point two, point A of point two, is part of the, the spiritual feast is the fruits of God's Spirit. We should be looking to build on those fruits of God's Spirit because God's Spirit is who God is. If you want to know who God is, go to Galatians 5. And you can see who God is. Galatians 5, verse 22 through 23 says, but the fruits of the Spirit, who God is, is love, so we should be developing a closer, loving relationship with each other. That's the spiritual side of it, to be closer as a family to each other, being at joy, enjoying each other's company, enjoying the fact that we're here at the feast, being able to enjoy Everything about the feast. That's why it's a positive aspect. Being at peace. Not letting things trouble us. Not finding fault with other people. But working and developing the peace of God. His spirit. Being like God. Long-suffering. Sometimes things hit us. We have to be able to wait like God who you know for a hundred years he was suffering over the problems of the world before he brought Noah in the scene and flooded and got rid of everything got rid of everything but eight people and a pair of all the animals so God suffered long and that's what he expects from us he wants us to have that kind of quality of being you know if somebody says something Forgive them, you know. That's how you, 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 you tolerate it, you put it aside, and just smile and let it roll off your back like water on a duck. Be gentle with each other. That's who God is. He's gently taking care of us. He's been gentle with the church, even though we went off the track. Goodness. Whatever you do, try to do it being good to everybody and everything you do, being good about it. And then having faith. Having faith that God will work things out and it will be a joyous feast. Being meek like Moses, 
being meek, that you don't lose your temper. That's what I need to learn how to do. You know, be meek like that. And temperance. We don't want to go off and overeat, overdrink, over, over whatever it is. You want to be temperate in everything. Be balanced when you do these things. These are the characteristics of God. And that's where we're to learn at the Feast of Tabernacles. We're to learn to have God's characteristics. We're to learn to be like God, act like God, enjoy life like God. This means that we should practice being like Him. It's why we have the, the fruits of the Spirit, that we can practice to be like Him. The second point of the spiritual aspect that is uh, joy and faith. Romans 5, verse 2. Romans chapter 5, verse 2. By who also we have access by faith unto the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So here we're told to have faith in God. Build that faith. Work at that faith. Chapter 15 of Romans. Chapter 15, verse 13. Now the God of hope fills you with all joy and peace be, uh, peace in being that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So God gives us His Spirit that we can have the joy and the hope and the peace. So we have to have the Holy Spirit with us. 1 Peter 1, verse 8. 1 Peter 1, verse 8. Who, having not seen, so we did not see Christ and we didn't see God, you love. So we learn to love like God loves. Even though we've never seen Him or seen Christ, in whom, though now you see Him not, yet believing, that's the faith, you rejoice in the hope, unspeakable and full of glory, because we look to what God is going to do for us. Point C is rejoicing in hope. We, we're going to rejoice throughout the feast if we allow God to fill us and be with us. Hebrews 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Verses 1 through 6. Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. Rejoicing with the hope. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, come talking to us. Because we've been called, we've got a heavenly calling, and we're partakers in that calling of the many others that are out there. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ. Christ is the high priest. So, we're, we're also partakers with others, and we're partakers, all of us together are partakers in our profession of being like Christ, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. So, our house should be, we should be faithful 
in our, our house, this little group of people, this is a, a house, a family group, and we should be faithful as Moses was. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, talking of Christ, inasmuch as he who has built the house has more honor than the house. That's Christ, our Father, who has built the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. So God is the builder of this house. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken afterwards. But Christ, as a son over his own house, Christ is, we are in Christ's house, whose house we are. If we hold fast to the uh, confession and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. So we can't, we can't just walk away, brethren. We've got to put our hope and trust and our everything into it. Point D of part two of the Spirit. The rejoicing at the feast in the Spirit. The spiritual aspect of it. So throughout the feast, we should, number one, focus on God himself. We want to know what to do, what's the focus, main focus point. We focus on God the Father. Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, 10 and 11. We should focus, the whole main focus of the feast is God. Even though we enjoy it physically, we should focus on God. Isaiah 61, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the eternal. My soul shall rejoice in my God. He has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, as for as the earth brings forth the bud, and as the garden causes the things that are sown to uh, spring up, spring forth, so our eternal, our God, will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. He wants us to bring glory and honor to him because he is what's behind it. It's all about God. It's all about God. It's not about us. We're just temporary. But it's about God and what he is doing. Psalm 43. Psalm 43, verses 1 through 5. Psalm 43. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me into your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go into the altar of 
God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yes, upon the harp will I praise you, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. So, we need to focus. The main overall focus of the feast is what God is doing and what God has done for us and what God is doing and planning to do. The second thing we focus on is that is on Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. So we're focusing primarily on God, but the second focus is on Christ and what he's doing for us. Philippians 3, verse 3. Philippians 3, 3. For we are the circumcision which worships God in the Spirit and rejoice in Jesus Christ. Oh, Christ Jesus. So we're to rejoice at the feast in Christ, in Emmanuel, and have no confidence in, in the flesh. So we can't say, I'm here because I'm so good. No, you're here because the Father called you and brought you to Christ. But one, what things were gained to me, Paul said, those I count as lost for Christ. He said, it doesn't make any difference. I, all that I have, all this opportunity to be here and all the power and mighty that I think I have is nothing. I give it, he says, I give it all up. I, I count that as nothing. Yes, doubtly, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Is that what we do? Are we focusing on the excellency of Christ, what he did for us? For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them, but it's done that I may win Christ. So the focus is on God. The next thing is what Christ did for us. Yea, doubtless I count these things but lost for the essence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ. So that's what we're looking to. That's what we need to look to. The third point of this second thing here is Look at the promises. What God has promised us. So throughout the whole feast, what are we promised? Why are we here? Psalm 119, 162. Psalm 119, 162. I rejoice at your word as one that finds great spoil. God has promised us a lot. He's promised us to be the first fruits. 
He promised us to be part of the bride. In Revelation um, 14, it tells us wherever Christ, if we, if we are part of the 144,000, if we're the ones that marry Christ, we will be with him always. So that's the promise. It's, a, it's so far above everything else. If we would just remember that he's promised us eternal life. He's promised us that we will be with him. The fourth point, the happiness of the future. So, having promised us those things, there also is then happiness that goes along with that. No more of this fighting, no more wars, no more uh, killing babies by the millions, no more trying to be the head of everything. So many times, so many places, everybody wants to be the boss. And that's not what God wants from us. So there's healthy happiness in the future. Romans 14. Romans chapter 14. The promises of happiness. Romans 14, verse 16. Let not them, then your good be evil spoken of. If we're doing good, that's happiness. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Yes, we're here to eat and drink. That's only part of it. But the righteousness and peace and joy of the Holy Spirit. So we have God's Spirit living within us. Remember that Spirit, Galatians 5 again. That goes back to Galatians 5. That's happiness. That's where happiness comes from. For he that, he that in these things uh, serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow, follow what? Follow Christ. The things which make peace and things with we may edify one another. That's where happiness comes from. By having peace, and when we edify, we build each other up. We don't look at the downside, but we look at the upside. Look at what makes others look good. We try to be happy about all things. First Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15. This is the resurrection chapter. Talks about things of the future. fourth point here is the happiness of the future. Verse 23. But every man in his own order, talking about who's resurrected, Christ the first fruit afterwards, they that are Christ at his coming. We want to be there. That's the happiness. That we will be there when Christ comes. Then comes the end. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, every even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. 
I talk about being happiness when all this wretched, rotten things are disposed of. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. What must we do then? What do we do? Colossians 1, verse 10 and 13. Colossians chapter 1. Things that we have to do. That we might walk worthy, verse 10. That we might walk worthy of the eternal unto all pleasing. So, we're to walk in a path that pleases God and pleases Christ. Being fruitful in every good work. So, whatever work we do, we've got to be fruitful in it. We've got to put our heart and mind and soul into it. And increasing in the knowledge of God. So, we need to at the feast, at the sermons that are brought forth, we need to learn what it is God has for us. Strengthen with the might according to his great, his glorious power unto the patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. So we're going to learn when the sermons come out, look for things that will help you to be like Christ. Be able to do the things that Christ did. Giving thanks to the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. We're going to inherit a fantastic amount. But we need to look for that. That's what we should be studying for at the feast. Not trying to find problems, but to look for the good things of life. Titus 3, verse 7. Titus 3, verse 7. That being justified by His grace, we have to listen and realize that we are justified by God's forgiveness, by God's love, that we should be made Heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So this is what we do. In John 3, verse 1 tells us that we are, to, we are called to be sons of God. That's what we're called to be in John, uh, 1 John 3, 1. In chapter, uh, verse 3, verse, chapter 3, verse 3, it tells us, and every man that has this hope in him, what do we do? We purify ourselves in him, even as he is pure. So we are to be looking at the feast. We're to work at being like Christ. When I went to the feast in South Africa twice, one of the things that made the feast great for me was that first of all we prayed we worshipped together and the second thing was we ate together we had time between services or after services but mainly we did things together we did tours 
together. We went to eat together. We ate all of our meals together as a family. And the feast in South Africa wasn't any bigger than what we have here in Anatol. So it made it so enjoyable that we always were learning to be a family. And families that eat together, live together, enjoy together. So that made it a very, very special feast to me, is that we were able to be a family. And I've been to many feasts over the years. Most of them were so large that it's hard to be a family. So most of the time, your family was your immediate family. And occasionally, somebody else would come by. But we're a family, and to be able to eat and pray and play and just spend time together was very, very enjoyable. It made it a great, great feast for me. I have two more scriptures I want to cover. First is Isaiah 55. Verses 1 through 3. As I looked at the Feast of Tabernacles and I read through Isaiah 55, I thought, boy, this is what the feast is going to be like. What the world tomorrow is going to be like. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Oh, everyone that first, physically and spiritually. So at the feast, we're going to we're going to thirst physically for enjoyment to be together and spiritually that we can be with Christ and we can learn what Christ and the Father want us to do. Come you to the water. The water is God's Word. And he that has no money, they're not going to use money in the Feast of Tabernacles or in the world tomorrow. There will not be money needed. That's going to go by the way. Come you, buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without a price. That's the world tomorrow. How great it's going to be. Wherefore, do you spend money for that which is not bread? So, we're at the feast. We're going to get spiritual bread, and you don't have to buy it. And your labor for that which satisfies not. So even though you work hard all your life, doesn't satisfy. Hearken diligent unto me, and eat you that which is good. Eat the physical life and the spiritual life. And let your soul delight itself in the fatness of God, which he gives to us. Incline your ear. Oh, telling us to open our minds, open our ears. Sit and listen. Don't take it lightly, but sit and listen and come to me, God says. Hear, and your soul shall live. We're going to hear spiritual things. Listen to what's said. Not only hear the words, but listen to the words. Sometimes we hear a lot, but we don't listen a lot. It's too easy to let the words go over your head. 
I will make an everlasting covenant, God says, with you, even the true covenant that I made with David. Last scripture, John 7, John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. John 7, 37, 38. So we're going to be, physically we're going to have food. Spiritually we're going to have sermons. And we need to listen to what is being said. Listen, take note, and apply it to our lives. John chapter 7, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Listen, look for, enjoy the physical aspects, enjoy the fellowship, share with each other. But mainly, take part and remember that God is with us. Christ will be here. He will teach us. To me, this is what the feast is all about. This is what God wants me to do. He wants me to really enjoy everything he's given to us. And he also wants me to listen, to change, to learn to be like him. So let's let this feast, work at this feast, being not only physical, but a spiritual and Make it as much godly-oriented as we possibly can. Thank you.